Welcome to Football Neophyte, where an American who knows a lot about sports, but little about soccer, uh, football, journeys through the 2018-19 English Premier League season to discover a team to root for. I'm your host, Nate Hughes. All right. Hey, welcome everyone to this week's episode of Football Neophyte. Uh, we are joined this week by Tottenham Hotspur fan, David Nysik. David, thanks for coming on. Hey, Nate. Thank you. This is our first phone-in uh, interview, which is great. So we're putting technology to the test, um, but we're excited to have you. You're, you're up in Oregon today, right? That's right. Up in Oregon where it's nice and cool and, uh, and summer's hanging on, but nothing like Phoenix. Yeah, that's right. We're going to hit 100 today, but that is cool for us. We're, we're happy that we're just barely touching 100 these days. So, <laughs> But it's great to have someone represent Oregon, my, my home state. Uh, my family's still up there and love, love that state, love, love the area. So, all right, man. Well, give me, give, me the, give me the hard sell. Tell me a little bit about how you became a Tottenham fan. Yeah, my, my story with Tottenham starts actually back after high school, which was, uh, I've been bitten something here, back in 1990, I graduated high school. All right. And I, I'm, a, I'm one of, of seven siblings. I'm the only boy. Uh, I have six sisters, three older than me, three younger. Wow. And uh, the first, the older two sisters didn't do so well in high school. So there was an offer laid out there that uh, any sibling who completed high school in good standing, got their diploma, uh, could take a trip to Hawaii. So uh, the sister ahead of me, she graduated, took her Hawaii trip. It came my turn, and my my best friend said, "I know you could always take a friend with you as well as part of this offer." Sweet. He said, "Hawaii, you know, I've been to Hawaii three times. I don't want to go to Hawaii with you. I'd really like to go to Europe." So we we instead uh, swapped out Hawaii for Europe. I really got screwed in this deal. My dad <laughs> only paid for for airfare, and. Uh, and so we got over there and basically we're two starving kids for six weeks uh, backpacking around Europe, uh, seriously living on bread and water, but enjoying every minute of it. It was, it was amazing for, for two country kids. Uh, didn't grow up here in Oregon City, grew up more rural and little thousand person town. And, uh, and so all these big European cities that you see in movies and, and hear tales about, uh, witnessing it live was amazing. Uh, we finished up in London, and it was by this point the end of August, uh, September, and of course there's girls in this story. Um, met a couple of girls at the hostel. They All were the stories they, have girls in them, right? So. <laughs> that's the truth. All the best ones, right? That's right. So uh, two really cute girls met them at the youth hostel. They were workers there, and they, they invited us to, to spend an evening uh, hanging out with them and their friends, and they said they were going to this place where you could ice skate. All, all year round, uh, and they said, just just tell them you're trying to find the Alley Pally, which sounds hilarious in, in English uh, with the accent and everything. The Alley Pally, just you know, tell them about the Alley Pally. And so we, we, we were supposed to meet them at this place called the Alley Pally to go ice skating. And we had no idea where this was, but we asked directions of locals, and just like they said, they, they told us directions, and, and we, we headed up there on the subway and got off at Arsenal Station. and and headed up, uh, thought that we were in the right place, asking directions, found out we weren't quite there. So we started to head back in the subway, and this group of guys confronted us and were shoving us around and, and 
saying all kinds of things really fast. I mean, when when you're when you're not used to the accent, it's it's difficult to understand what was being said. But it was clear that we were being picked on here, and and pretty seriously, and uh, had no idea what was going on. But it, it culminated when one of the guys punched my friend right in the neck. Yeah, for no reason. We have no idea what's going on here. We're confused. We're just trying to go hang out with these girls, and we end up getting beat up, basically, wow. by people we'd never seen, had no no idea what the heck was going on here. Just really felt that we were being attacked for no reason. Uh, so that that basically ruined the day. I mean, they, they threw food at us. They poured their beer on us. Uh, we were done. We weren't going to meet up with these girls any longer. We were just going to turn tail and run. So we went back to the hostel and just obviously uh, had a very negative view uh, and connotation with, with Arsenal, the name Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, from that moment, it's like we get off at Arsenal station and basically got beat up for no reason whatsoever. Jeez. Um, and they, you know, in, in hindsight, I know what they're saying now they were calling us gooners. So the funny oh. thing is here, Nate, we probably just we probably got assaulted funny. by Tottenham fans. <laughs> There was a North London Derby that day, that oh. day, and we probably got assaulted by Tottenham fans, but we, we had negative feelings towards Arsenal. So I held those feelings. I was not really a soccer – I was not a soccer guy. I played just like you. I played in my youth and enjoyed it, but it was actually more social yeah. than, than a true love of the game. And, and our little high school didn't offer soccer for boys, only for girls. So I played football and baseball, basketball, never soccer. Uh, and went years and years, uh, other than the World Cup and, and a few other uh, international competitions, didn't really pay attention. But um, I'm, a, I'm a video gamer and have been forever. And there's a game called Football Manager. Have you heard of that one? I, I have, yeah. It's actually uh, it's pretty legit. If you want to get up, you know, bone up on your soccer knowledge and, and get to know what's going on in the Premier League or other leagues around the world, it's actually it's a pretty neat tool to help you there. And you don't have to get the latest version that costs 60 bucks. You can get an older, like two-year-old version for five bucks. And that's what I ended up doing. I saw all these great reviews for this. I said, I'll try this out. And this was in uh, 2009, 2010. And when I was sorting through the list of what team to choose, I knew I wanted to choose an English team. I, I saw that Tottenham had a rival, and the rival was Arsenal. And I thought, hey, here we go. This is it. I'm, I'm playing as Tottenham. So I managed Tottenham and got to know the team, and I realized they've got some Croatian. They got a Croatian guy who's pretty legit, and Luka Modric. Yeah. Um, and and just started to actually love Tottenham through this game, Football Manager. And then they started to uh, on ESPN at late at night. They would show a game of the week uh, from the Premier League uh, back in 2010-11, and I was able to catch a replay of. I think it was like in September, it was pretty early in the in the 2010 season, Tottenham versus Arsenal, North London Derby, amazing game. Tottenham goes down by two and comes back to win it 3-2 at Arsenal. Wow. And that was an amazing game. It was kind of a breakout game for Gareth Bale. You've heard of okay. Gareth? Yeah. Uh, Tottenham, he was brought in as a youth at Tottenham, kind of had a rocky start and then just woke up and ended up being the, the most expensive transfer when he moved to Real Madrid gave Tottenham a lot of a lot of cash to work with and um, he was a fun player to watch but uh, that game was a, a big breakout game he scored the the lead off goal for Tottenham there and what an exciting game so I was I was slowly uh, becoming hooked the more I saw in real life playing football manager 
I took Tottenham all the way to the Champions League champions uh, through Football Manager. Nice. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was just it all just kind of stacked up nicely. And then NBC started carrying the Premier League games regularly. I think it was 2012, and so you can watch. Uh, you you know you can get up in insane hours of the morning here on the Pacific Time Zone and watch uh, Tottenham play live, and that's when you know, my fanship really exploded. Uh, found a supporters group here in Portland. Oh, cool. Uh, there's there's probably, on an average game day, uh, somewhere between 50, 60, maybe even 70 people show up, fill out a, a bar in town owned by two brothers. One's a, one's a Tottenham fan, the other's an Everton fan. Uh, <laughs> it's, called the, it's called the Toffee Club because the brother who had the money actually got yes. to name it. <laughs> so, so we meet there uh, every game day. We'll be there tomorrow. To, to watch him play Brighton, uh, it's a nice, it's a nice approachable 9:30 a.m. kickoff tomorrow versus the 4:30 garbage. Yeah, uh, that's, so that's what I've been doing. That's if, if you've been listening or as people have been listening, you know that I have to get up at the 4:30 match to beat my kids up, so I can actually like watch the match in peace. So usually yep. by the end of of that first 4:30 match, I've got one or two or three of the kids on on top of me you know barely see the end of the match so (laughs) i've listened to the extras at the end of the pods too sounds like your kids are catching on oh yeah oh yeah titus my six-year-old loves soccer he plays it every day at school like yeah he's he's hooked and yeah they i mean they have about as much knowledge and understanding as i do and so we're learning together and but they're already Man City fans, so there's no going back. Oh, Titus is yeah. Titus is a huge front runner, and as soon as he heard they were the best team, uh, he was all in. So there it is. Well, that's only because he doesn't know enough about Tottenham. I mean, that's give right. him a little time and a little maturity. Get, get him there. Yep, that's right. Right. Well, it's fascinating. So, you certainly have the most fascinating like story of fandom that in fact <laughs> probably got beat up by by spurs fans were you guys wearing red like we what? were i forgot to I, you know that was the year that, that the portland trailblazers went to the championship yeah and i was wearing a, a red portland trailblazers shirt my friend wasn't but i was wearing a red portland trailblazers shirt that just had that little pinwheel logo thing oh yeah on it's the front thing. it didn't say blazers or anything on it it was just blazers red and had the a little pinwheel. sports and that was it. And so, yeah. yeah, we were confused. I'm sure we were confused as Arsenal fans by these drunk guys. Yeah. But oh it was a savage beatdown, I tell you. Oh, that sucks. Well, now yeah. now they would be – maybe some of them will listen to this and somehow remember. Uh, right. They beat up some guys and that you eventually became Tottenham fan. It's probably the most effective beatdown in uh, Derby history. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. We actually, uh, I, was, I was lucky enough to be able to travel over and catch Tottenham live in, uh, in White Hart Lane before they tore it down in oh, December 2016. Yeah, it was a great experience. But hanging out at the bars and telling all the guys this story, man, they were, they were enthralled with this. They loved it. I bet. And, uh, they loved the fact that I got beat up because I was wearing red. They said that was absolutely justice. You don't <laughs> wear red, man. You just don't wear red. That's amazing. So, it, even though it was Arsenal Station, nope, no red. So, yeah, they, they did not apologize. No no fan that I met apologized to me after hearing that story. I they bet. thought it was well, all even to, justice. Even to bring this all back to together with where I'm at, I am a huge FIFA fan, FIFA, like the video game, EA Sports. Uh-huh. 
and I'm, I bought 2016. Um, I hadn't owned a FIFA in, in probably a decade. So I bought 2016 again because it was cheaper. And I've been yep. playing. I started off as a timber. I created my own player, started wow. off in timber. And then my first substantial transfer opportunity was actually to Tottenham. So, right. uh, so the Spurs have a bit of an advantage because Nate Hughes, this young American uh, center midfielder, is is on the Spurs right now as we speak. In I've heard about that guy. He's great. The virtual world. Yeah, yeah. He's he's an up and comer. He's an up and comer. Well, let's <laughs> turn this all back a bit to reality. Um, give me give me some of the history of Tottenham. What are some things you think might interest me or be be reasons that I should be be a Spurs fan? Yeah. So uh, Tottenham goes back. They were founded in 1882. So that's some time ago. They actually just celebrated their, I think, 136th year anniversary on September 5th. Okay. Uh, they were founded actually primarily by book, a group of schoolboys. Like uh, their first captain was 14 years old, <laughs> and they used to play out on these marshes, this marshland that was kind of a no man zone. It was just swampy marshland, and they'd have to basically fight for enough space to to set out a field, and that's how they got started. Um, and they were named after. Uh, after Henry Percy, who was a 14th century noble known as Harry Hotspur, because okay. he would dig in his spurs when he'd ride into battle, he'd dig in his spurs and charge at the head of the at the head of the force, and he was uh, quite this heroic figure. And uh, actually, Shakespeare writes about him as well, includes him as a figure in uh, Henry the Fourth. Huh. And so that's the the Hotspur comes from that, from this okay. heroic figure, this knight who rode into battle at the head of the at the charge. And uh, charging into battle, they're the Spurs, uh, also known as the Lily Whites. Uh, they've worn that same color combo since the get-go with the white top and the blue shorts. Okay. Uh, they, their name is not, I mean, excuse me, their, their song is not as glorious as some others. It's, it's Glory, Glory, Tottenham Hotspur, uh, just sung to, uh, the, you know, the Glory, Glory, Hallelujah yeah. song. Uh, but the motto is awesome, to dare is to do. To dares to do. That is beautiful. I like it. I like it a lot more than you'll never walk alone or some contrived garbage <laughs> like that. No. The dares to do. You can take that with you wherever you go. There we go. Um, you know, they were they're a North London club and, and in the get in the beginning they were definitely a, a working class neighborhood back there, uh up in the, the northeast there. And uh not a lot of money, not a lot of uh influence politically um so they're kind of a, a working class club and still to this day the neighborhood when i was walking through it in 2016 i, I noted it was just a very working class neighborhood uh feels like you're in one of the working class areas of pittsburgh if you've ever visited just really very humble uh and then all of a sudden you you walk around a corner and there's white hard lane and i imagine the new stadium is just going to be extremely impressive yeah, and it's really just something cool to happen to that neighborhood, to have this kind of renewal in that neighborhood. Because, man, it's, it's a bit depressing. Huh. Uh, you know, it's just a really run-down area. Uh, unlike Chelsea in this posh area, or Arsenal, they're clear middle class. West Ham, definitely upper middle class. Tottenham's still right central in this really run-down, working-class neighborhood. Um, they are known historically to kind of be a Jewish club. Okay. Uh, and, and the reason is because a lot of the supporters, uh, you know, the, the locals in that Northeast London area, Tottenham, 
around the Tottenham Hill station, they were uh, they were Jews who fled from the from the pogroms that were going on. Okay. Is that how you say that pogrom? I can't remember how you say it, but uh, but basically they were being persecuted throughout Eastern Europe, and a lot of the Jews that were fleeing that persecution came to London, and a lot of them settled in that area. Uh, so a lot of unskilled laborers and and uh, you know just kind of the, the working class people were the original Tottenham fans and continue to be to this day. Got it. So it's uh it's actually reflected as well, in my opinion, in, in the way that Tottenham does business. I, I find it really impressive how they do their business. They have an, a billionaire owner, just like everyone else. It's actually kind of a sports conglomerate uh, that owns them. But the, but the head guy has a net worth of something like $8 billion. Wow. But unlike Chelsea with their oligarch owner, who's just a complete jerk, um, <laughs> and some of the other clubs like uh, Man City with their shake, owner uh yeah. and you know all this uh tottenham really does business well they as far as transfers go they uh they come a lot closer to breaking even on their transfers between their sales and their purchases than a lot of clubs um they they really focus on developing through their academy and you see that in a lot of their younger players that they've developed instead of just swapping them out every couple of years for the hottest guy out there yeah. Uh, so that's that's impressive as well. So you know, young Nate Hughes working through the Tottenham system right now <laughs> in FIFA is not actually is not is not far fetched. Uh, they are the guys. They they are the team that that brought DeAndre Yedlin from from Seattle to Tottenham. He didn't quite work out. He needed to work on his defensive efforts. He was uh, really lacking. Couldn't make it in Premier League. So they they traded him to Newcastle. But they were the guys who scoped him out and and brought him over. They've had uh, Casey Keller, Clint Dempsey. Brad Friedel, yeah, Yedlin, of course. Uh, right now, Cameron Carter Vickers. Yeah, I he's going to be. Yeah, he's going to be at the center of the U.S. national team for for some time. Twenty-one year old, I believe, maybe twenty-two now. He's out on uh, loan though, right now, right? He is. He's been out on loan for the last couple of seasons. He's he's really close. He's really close to actually sticking around and 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 being a squad player for for Tottenham. Uh, when you have Jan Vertonghen, Alderweireld uh, at center back, those two uh, Belgians are. Are amazing players, yeah. and it's going to be tough to break through. They just signed Davidson Sanchez last year, uh, a Colombian player who's got a lot of potential. But I could see Sanchez and, and Carter Vickers being a pairing that you know that as as Carter Vickers gets a little bit more experience under his belt, and he's doing that right now. Uh, I could see that being the pairing in a couple of years from now. Uh, Alderweireld is is looking to move on, if all the rumors are correct. He's been there a few seasons now, done really well. So there's going to be some openings, and Carter yeah. Vickers very well could be moving in to that opening. So, uh, yeah, they've got some some solid American uh, connections. Uh, and, of course, probably the best rivalry in English football with Arsenal, just four miles down the road. Uh, you got this working-class neighborhood versus this posh, middle-class, comfortable neighborhood. Uh, Arsenal's got, you know, historically had a, a ton of money. Uh, and businessmen backing them. Uh, the rivalry actually began back after World War One. There was some, there was a big controversy. Premier League at the time was called the First Division. They didn't have the Premier League until I think '91 or two. Uh -huh. But up to that point, it was the First Division of English football, and they were expanding by two teams. Tottenham was in the First Division uh, before World War One. Then they suspended play, uh, and and. Tottenham that that season that final season had finished I think 20th place 
and uh, and Chelsea had finished 19th. So Chelsea got an automatic bid into the new first division, expanded first division, and then there was one spot available. Tottenham should have got it. Arsenal finished sixth place in the second division, should never have been in the running. Yeah. But somehow, magically, uh, through backdoor dealings, huh. found their way up into the first division at the expense of Tottenham. And so that's where the, the real hatred began. Yeah. Uh, when Arsenal basically bought their way into the Premier League for backdoor deals and at the expense of Tottenham. Tottenham went back up to the first division the next year, but uh, <laughs> but that was the hatred right there. That's yeah, the beginning no. of the hatred. Uh, they're known as, Arsenal's known as the Woolwich Wanderers because they started in Woolwich down around the docks area of London and moved up closer to Tottenham's territory um, and, and, you know, basically followed the money. And they've been doing it ever since. So there's a hatred runs deep. It, it's not, you know, in, in football, English football, there's not a lot of forgiveness. Yeah. So it's fascinating. Like, I think some of the things that impressed me for with Tottenham is some of that kind of homegrown talent, you know, not maybe they'll spend a lot, but they're also selling a lot. Like they're the, the wise financial stewardship, like, those are appealing things to me as I, as I look at these teams. And even as the season goes on there, I'm realizing, you know, some of my initial criteria are changing as there's, there's things that I I'm noticing or realizing, Oh, I actually really appreciate this type of management of a team. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We all, we all are attracted to different things. I think that it is appealing to us just as, as regular old guys to, to see a club acting financially, like fiscally responsibly. And yes, they just built a, a massive stadium, a billion dollar stadium, uh, you know, but they did it the right way. Honestly, if you look at the way that they built to it um, and uh, they, it's not open yet, but they'll have that soon and their yeah. finances should be improving. That's another reason. Um, I know it's maybe a side reason, but if you, if you ever think you're going to head over to England and, and maybe want to check out a game, I mean, being a London club makes them very easy, very accessible. Yeah. You're going to have this new stadium with 62,000 seats. It's going to be a lot easier to get tickets to it. Um, it's just, there's a lot of just, they're really a, a team on the rise for sure. That's great. Well, let's, let's switch over to the, the game. So unfortunately, <laughs> you know, it's a bit of a, a bit of a crapshoot to see what we're going to be discussing each week with with my different guests but this has been a rather uh, rough week for the spurs so starting yeah. uh, on saturday morning morning for us here with the match against liverpool um and a pretty a pretty poor for performance from what i from what i could see um obviously mm -hmm. I'm, I'm only noticing certain things but the defense looked rather shaky and just overmatched, right? I mean, there were not a ton of chances from, from the Spurs. Um, but yeah. what, what were some of your insights, your thoughts from the game? Yeah, I saw some mental breakdowns that there's been a lot of stories floating around about the fatigue of the Tottenham players. So many of the players played internationally long into the World Cup this summer. And so uh, there's been a lot of articles about fatigue, and man, I think I saw that. I mean, Eric Dyer, his his back pass, it didn't end up with a score, but right early in the game, I think like Robert, around the sixth to eighth minute, he made this awful back pass that yeah. allowed Salah to almost score. And it's if you can, I mean, if you go back and look, 
in the in the, the matchup last year between these two, the exact thing happens then as well. Dyer, crappy back pass. Salah picks it up and slots it in. Thankfully, he didn't score on that one, but but that set the tone for me. I was from the very get go of that game. I thought, uh oh, you know, this is not good. I hope he wakes up. I hope that was wake up call. But uh, there were a number of, of sloppy passes in that game that led to opportunities for Liverpool. I actually didn't feel like Liverpool played very well either. I, I thought that they were not on their A game either. Uh, you know, Spurs. I was I was pretty bummed about the result, but Spurs could have pulled out at the end if they would have got that penalty call. I don't know. Did you happen to see the the replays on that? I don't know if I did. Yeah, Son's legs were taken out by Sadio Mane uh, in the final seconds of the game in the penalty box. Yep, I did see that. Yeah, and that should have been a penalty with VAR. It would have been a penalty. It's a little bit of a consolation to know that more than likely we would have gotten a draw out of that game. And, and with such a pitiful performance to come up with a draw, it wouldn't have been the worst. Uh, but, I mean, the week before with Watford and then leading into that Liverpool game and then the Champions League blowing a, a one-point lead. Yeah. You know, to, uh, it, it has been a rotten week, man. But you look at the standings and we're not alone. Uh, we're, we're not walking alone. We are walking hand-in-hand with uh, Arsenal and Man U at yeah. that 3-2 mark. Uh, so it's early in the season. I was pretty dispirited on Tuesday after the Champions League result. The first time under Mauricio Pochettino that the Spurs have lost three in a row. Oh, wow. you, you witnessed it this week, man. You witnessed it. So it's, it's a rare occurrence. I don't expect it to happen again anytime soon. I expect Spurs are going to wake up tomorrow against Brighton and and thump them at you know in Brighton's home stadium and and start a run right there. And I wouldn't be shocked if Spurs reel off ten in a row. Yeah. So it, it's it's not that they don't have the potential, man. That's the thing. This club has all the potential. They can be any club in the world on any given day. Uh, they showed that last year in Champions League against Real Madrid, and I expect them to to wake up and, and get going again. Yes. But some of my other takes, I think that Pochettino is is a little he's a little off. Uh, his substitutions, he keeps changing up the back the back line, and I think that's got him out of rhythm. And we saw that on Liverpool, the Liverpool game. We saw that again in the Champions League. So I think Poch is overthinking things a bit. Um, some of his substitutions, like he he was too late in his subs with Watford uh and and then didn't make the sub at the right time against liverpool as well lamella came in and instantly fired him up yeah you got uh, that should have been done earlier yeah that goal late in the game yep nice one yeah nice goal highlight for sure yeah it was beautiful so now let's go back to pochettino like this doesn't have anything to do with football but am i the first person to think he looks like samwise gamji i mean has I, it- you know i I'd never heard that before, but your side-by-side picture is pretty compelling. I I couldn't stop thinking it the whole time. I'm like, okay, yes, you can join me as we we take take the ring, like Samwise. Right, I, man. No, you're onto something. You're <laughs> onto something. You need to run with that. I, I, I will. I, I think that the the side-by-side comparison is compelling, and uh, yeah, I'll I'll troll that past the supporters tomorrow morning. Show them. Tell yeah. Let let them. Absolutely. Let Okay, so I want to talk about two players in particular. One is Danny Rose. I love that guy. Yeah, man. I don't. Oh, yeah. I love the way he plays. I love like I was. I mean, I have a little heart next to his name in my notes. Like I, I, I love him, and he's so fun to watch. Um, on the flip side, 
I need some help with Kane, Terry Kane. I, uh-huh. I don't know what the deal is, but um, I watching the World Cup and watching England play, something about the way he, way he carries himself. I don't think it has anything to do with his style of play. I think it's like mm-hmm. like a first impression type thing, but he just he seems he he seems like a douchebag. Like the way he looks. <laughs> but I've I've heard he's like actually the opposite. So I need some help understanding Harry Kane and and what like why should I not think of him in such like horrible horrible ways. Yeah, man, you got it all right with Rose. So Rose is extremely emotional player, very passionate, uh, wears his heart on his sleeve. You just can't help but be a fan. If you're a Tottenham player, I'm sure Arsenal hates the guy because yeah. he's just – he's everything you want in one of your players. So you nailed Rose. I think you're missing – yeah, I think you're missing the plot on, on Kane. He, he, uh, he's kind of a dork. I mean, have you watched any of his interviews? I haven't. I haven't. Okay. you got to watch this guy in an interview. He is – He's extremely humble, first of all. He's not, he's not a braggart at all. He, his celebration's pretty low-key. It's honestly an emotional eruption. You can see it happen. It's not a pre-planned thing where he's doing some crazy dance and trying to, to trademark his, his own unique moves. Yeah. You know, he's a pretty humble guy. He gives credit to the other players around him. Uh, he is really – he's not, a, he's not a, like a guy who's going to pick up the ball at center field and, and dribble it all the way in. Uh, he really does uh, rely on a good pass to set him up. And so that didn't happen against Liverpool on Saturday. Uh, he didn't have an impressive game at all. He was uh, honestly a non-factor in that game. But he then, is – Even in the Champions League game, as I watched some of the highlights of that, he had that, he had that I mean, seemingly, like, great opportunity in the first – I think it was the first half. Yeah. In the second half where, I mean, it's him versus the goalie, and he just kind of misplays it off his foot, it looked like. Yeah, that that was begging for a better replay. I'm curious if the if the keeper got a touch on his right foot. It, you know, it looked like maybe uh, he got cleated in the right foot. He was limping a little bit afterwards. Who knows if that's just yeah. a you know, I mean, a feigning an injury. Oh, guys, I missed this one, but look, I'm injured. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's he's also the other thing you got. So the the douchey thing. I mean, he's a dork. He's a dork. And he said sometimes he looks clumsy, like he has no balance. It's it's bizarre that this guy can score like he does because sometimes it just seems like he's so clumsy. You saw a little bit of it right there when he rounded the keeper in the in the Inter Milan game. Yeah, uh, you know he got a little clumsy. Uh, if if he gets on a streak and you start seeing him score here pretty soon, you'll be amazed at how he puts the ball in the goal. Though so many so many strikers just seem to hit it right at the keeper, and Kane is a good. He's really good at picking his spot. So. He's fun to watch uh, that way. He is an energetic player. He may be tired. There's a lot of stories saying he's tired right now. So you may be not seeing the very best Harry Kane. Uh, If you watch, try and watch an interview of the guy, you'll feel sorry for him. You've (laughs) never heard so many vocal pauses, so many, uh, 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 out of it, a player in an interview. It's just, I love, well, I love, I mean, I love, I love flashy guys. I love guys who wear their heart on their sleeve, but I mean, more than anything, I want to see guys who are humble you know, who, yep. who don't take credit and who love to praise their teammates. So I'll, I'll keep right. that out for him and listen to some interviews after we're done with this. Yeah, definitely do. Uh, you know, give him a little bit more of a chance. We're early in the season and he scored in August for the first time now this year. So I hope he doesn't go scoreless for the rest in the, in the, in the history for Harry. He's been, he's been dry in August and then scoring a ton the rest of the year. 
So let's let's hope he starts scoring again soon. But he is a good guy. He's had he's been on the radar of big clubs. Real Madrid is is the one that keeps coming up uh, for transfer, just like Gareth Bale was back in 2012. And and he is, according to all reports, he's been a lifelong Tottenham fan, and he doesn't want to leave the club. So if he's not one of these money money grabbers at all. He's settling down in Tottenham, and he's sticking around. So that's also to be appreciated in today's age. Yeah, he's not following the buck. He's he's completely satisfied. There's all sorts of stories about how Tottenham players are so underpaid, and anywhere that they move, they're going to be better paid. And you see Kyle Walker and his transfer, and he's getting a ton of money now at Man yeah. City. And uh, and Harry's had that opportunity and turned it down several summers now. So that's also admirable. You got to you got to keep that, that in is. mind. Lifelong Tottenham guy and wants to stick around with Tottenham and, and, and get a trophy, get some silverware, as they say. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, as we always do every week, every episode, we have a term of the week. And you actually chose this term of the week, so I'm, I'm even more excited. Um, and the term is lost the plot. So yeah. give, help me understand what does that mean? Help our listeners understand what in the world does that mean? Right. So lost the plot. You'll hear that a lot in the commentators. They'll, they'll talk about post-game, especially how a manager or a player lost the plot. And, and it basically, I mean, at the most basic level, it just means they're confused or disorganized. But yeah. they'll say a manager lost the plot. So if a manager lost the plot, most of the time it's because he failed to adjust his tactics to the flow of the game. So I mentioned how, how Potch came uh, way too late uh, with the substitution in both Watford and Liverpool game. Uh, you know, you could say that he lost the plot. He he lost what was going on in the field. He, he got, you know, disorganized or confused about what was happening, or just uh, complacent. And, and he, he lost the plot when he when he didn't make that that substitution. A player is more often the case you'll hear it. And sometimes during the run of play, uh, it's when most often when a defender misses his mark, like fails to mark his player or guard his the player he's assigned to. Yeah, and and the guy just runs right past him for a clear goal opportunity. Uh, the the announcers say, "Oh, you know, such and such lost the plot." Or it could also be uh, when it's a really nice build-up play. You'll see this with a team that transitions really well, like Liverpool or Tottenham, where they're uh, moving up the field and it looks like everything's great. They've got numbers moving forward, and a pass goes into the box, and the player it was intended for cuts the wrong way. Uh-huh. Uh, he he failed to read what his what his teammate was doing, so he lost the plot. Everyone else was on board, but he lost the plot. He he got confused about what was happening there, and the the pass ends up going right to the keeper, or goes out of bounds. Uh, that's another case where you hear that the player lost the plot. So it's uh, something I'd never heard before I started watching, and and uh, it, I mean it's it's pretty much part of my vocabulary now. The lost <laughs> the plot, and you you hear it a lot now. I imagine now that it's been highlighted, you're going to start hearing it. For sure, a lot by the English. That's awesome. I'm sure it's one of those things I just didn't understand and ignored it. <laughs> right, exactly. But now that you hear it, now that you know it, you'll hear it. So. Yeah, that's great. Well, Dave, thanks so much for for joining me on this week's episode. Really grateful. Thanks for all the insight, especially on a on a rough week for Tottenham. Mm-hmm. For you to hang in there and represent your team, your your team well, and I fascinated by your your story of how you became a fan so thanks so much for taking a beating uh to become a sports man yeah nate you're welcome uh yeah to dares to do man just get out there and do it
All right. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Our theme song is Something Elated by Broke for Free. Also, thanks to One Mission, a community development organization giving people in poverty the opportunity to earn a house by serving their community. Thanks, as always, for letting me steal a little bit of my work week to produce these episodes. If you like these podcasts, go to onemission.org slash donate and donate to this amazing organization. As always, 100% of your donation will go directly to our projects and programs in the field and be tied directly to a family. That's the number one, mission.org slash donate. Recording, mixing, etc., etc. Basically everything is done by me, Nate Hughes. Excuse all the challenges because I'm not only a football neophyte, but I'm also a podcast neophyte. We are now, however, both on iTunes and Google Play. We're getting out there, people. Please rate us and comment if you enjoy the podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Football Neophyte. That's Neophyte without the E. Football Neophyte without the E. I'll be posting some pictures. I'll be posting some comments from this week's match as well. We'll be back next week with a new episode where we feature Fulham. Until then, grace, peace, and love. Oh yeah, Mosala. Do you know what they call him? They call him the the Egyptian king because he's from Egypt. What's no fair? I want to be in Egypt. (laughs) You want to go to Egypt? It would be fun to go to Egypt. And see the desert and look for some lizards.